Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 235 of the world's most dangerous podcast. And this is actually a special edition of the podcast. We've already posted our regular Friday podcast. Great conversation I had with a uh, big Reds fan and big uh, bass musician, Freak Bass. And uh, you really need to go listen to that if you haven't already. I don't want this podcast to step on the toes of that one because we had a great uh, wide-ranging conversation, mostly about the Reds, but also about superhero movies. With me today, though, because uh, for a very specific reason, I have your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am fabulous, Chad. Just fabulous. So I texted Jason the other day, and I I said, I guess it was probably Friday, I said, hey, you know, we've already done this podcast this week, but there's a reason we may need to uh, do a, a, a sort of a surprise special edition of the podcast over the weekend. And the reason is... We have been inundated with listener mail. With viewer mail. <laughs> Thanks to all of you who have uh, responded to the call for viewer mail questions. And we're going to have a, a, a episode here just devoted to just some of these questions. And so, for the record, you can uh, email me, chaddotson at redlegnation.com. You can uh, make sure to put in your subject line, viewer mail, or if you are on Team Jason, listener mail. That's yeah. right. Everybody <laughs> should be on my team. I mean, my God, listen to Chad and his ridiculous accent. It's true. I can't argue with that argument. I be associated with that, people. But, uh, but viewer mail, listener mail, whatever you want to say, and uh, and ask a question. Can't guarantee that uh, we'll get to all the questions that we receive because we have been sort of inundated. Uh, but on the other hand, I promise that I will read every one of those, and we'll try to get to as many as we can. Um, again, Chad Dotson at RedLegNation.com. Uh, that's the way to send viewer mail questions. You're, you ready to get started, Jason? Yes, let's get to the listener mail. All right, the first viewer mail question comes from Peter Sammons. Peter says, hey, Chad, listen to all your podcasts. I'm a huge Reds fan. I actually read this great book called The Big... Ah, uh, never mind, you don't care. Yes, I do care, Peter. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. Great game, great book, great book. Anyway, first question from Peter. He had a couple, so let's go ahead and uh, deal with the first one. Would you rather have Dallas Keuchel for two years and $125 million or five years and $55 million? That's got to be a typo, right? Did he typo a little bit there? I hope that's a typo. I just copied um, and pasted it. Yeah. I, I Let's kind flip of it around. That it, flip it around. Yeah. Well, y- yeah, yeah. Um, so let's say I mean, two years and $55 million or five years and $125 million. I mean, I would probably take the two years, but I don't think anybody thinks he's going to get $25 million a year over five years. Um, none of what I've seen indicates that. Um, he does, you know, I think more than any other. So I think he's he seems to me at least to be the, the top starter on the market. And thus, I think he's most likely to get a pretty, a pretty good-sized deal. And he's been consistent for a while, so, like, He's somebody that if it took it to sign him, I would sign him to, you know, say like five years and a hundred million or something like that. Cause the Reds need to do something. But I mean, if you could get him for a couple of years, then I think, I think that's, I think that's a no brainer, but this also is his one and only chance to cash in probably via free agency. So I doubt he's going to be taking a two year deal. Not if he can get a five year deal. Certainly. I can imagine he yeah. would. Uh, he is at least, uh, if not the number one, he's, he's one of the top targets for teams that are looking for pitching. And, uh, I think with a guy like him who's going to be 31 next year, I think he makes a lot of sense in Great American Ballpark. And uh, the Reds yeah. are going to hash brown, get the pitching, we're told. Yeah, so, well, I mean, you know, that is the other thing about Keuchel is he is very much a ground ball pitcher. He really is. He is the person the Reds should target. Yeah, right. So while I don't like that he's going to be 31 uh, and, you know, a lot of money to wrap up in a pitcher at that age, but uh, th- there are some reasons why the Reds may want to have him very high on their list of targets. Um, yeah, because you're right, ground ball pitcher. He's been um, pretty good now since 2014, so five straight years of uh, uh, you know one one down year there. But I don't. Know, he's, he's the type of guy who uh, who makes a, a, an awful lot of sense. I, I I agree with Jason. I think if you can get two years, yeah, I'll, I'll sign him for two years and. 55 million. Absolutely. I do that. 
Um, I, well, I don't think he's going to, he would get that much, but, uh, for two years, I think it's worth it. Five years. I would not, I don't know what the number is going to be, but I, you know, if he's going to be the, the top of the market, as you say, and that's going to be the going rate for a guy that can really help the reds. I, why not? Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think he's going to get that much, but, yeah, I don't either. um, but yeah, it's, you know, a lot of I'm these, happy. a lot of these I'm questions happy. there about the pitching, Jason. Yeah, what? A lot of these questions are about the pitching. Yeah, the pitching the pitching is a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. It is a thing. And uh you know the 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 GM meetings I guess are starting and one agent or maybe two different agents were quoted as saying uh, the Reds are quote in on everybody or talking about pitchers. The Reds are in on everybody right now. I yeah. I love it. Ash Brown get the pitching. They're doing it. Yes, Hash Brown get the pitching. They're trying to do it. Let's see if they actually do it. Uh, let's flip to Peter's second question because it really kind of plays off that one. In a crazed, parentheses, maybe not so crazed anymore, question mark, hypothetical, Bob Castellini decides to spend money and we sign uh, Patrick Corbin and Dallas Keuchel, who would you finish the rotation out with? Would you do a bullpen day? An opener? Luis Alberto Bonilla. He actually, he actually put that in there, so I had to say it. He Peter forced me to. Uh, I think this is a pretty easy question to me uh, to answer. You got Corbin and Keichel at one, two. Who do you finish it out with? Um, well, I would go Castillo at three, um, Molly at four because I can't count on Disco until ever, um, and then I would finish it out with like a combination of, of like Disco and Reed or, or something along those lines. Again, assuming the, uh, that he's going that Disco is going to be hurt a little bit. Um, but my, my four who I would have penciled in for the full season would be Corbin, Keuchel, uh, Castillo, and Molly. Well, oh, right. But the only reason you're not penciling Discafani in is because, well, he's never been able to stay healthy. And, and that's reasonable, but... Yes, yes. Because he has literally never <laughs> pitched a full season, that's why. That's completely reasonable. But <laughs> if if healthy, he's my number four behind Castillo. Yeah, Molly has the leg up for number five, but you've got a bunch of people could do that, and and then even a bullpen day if it came down to that, depending on injuries, etc. So. I do want to say that I, I really think I was looking at some numbers this morning, um, kind of kind of thinking about the podcast, and I think that people uh, have gone from overrating Molly to underrating him very quickly. Yes, keep going back and forth because um, what really happened, and I think this was acknowledged, is that his mechanics got out of whack toward the end of the year. Um, and he had a handful of starts, you know, to close his season that were really disastrous. But my understanding was that it was a mechanical issue. So assuming that they can get him righted, um, I think he really is is a reliable uh, a reliable starter. No, oh, I, absolutely. I think he's. I think there's a pretty good chance that by the end of the year, he's not just a guy we're talking about for the fifth spot, but that he's moved his way into a solidified his role in the Reds rotation somewhere going forward for the next five years. I mean, I really believe that that's what we're yeah. going to see out of my, Molly. And I didn't see anything this year that would give me reason to sort of change my mind on that. He struggled. He pitched well. Yeah. You know, he was a young pitcher. That's what they do. Um, we keep hearing Patrick Corbin. And uh, Corbin and Keichel were uh, in, in James or Peter's question sort of side by side. To me, you know, give me Keichel. Even though he's a little older. Couple yeah. years older. If I if I'm choosing between the two, I just think Keuchel is a much better bet to be productive. He's, uh, he's just been more consistent, and it, his game at least seems somewhat more well tailored to to the ballpark. Sure. Uh, you know that said, Corbin really did kind of make a, a huge leap this year. I'm not going to complain. Right. The red sign, Patrick Corbin. <laughs> I will dance around my house in a merry fashion if they do, but. If I'm picking one, I would pick Keiko. Yeah, I mean Corbin, 29 year old, who's been a, an all star. Who he'll be 29 next year, been an all star yeah. a couple times. Um, a really, really good looking pitcher last year, uh, certainly for Arizona. Um, but let's let's be honest. No matter what happens, probably going to be a lot of dancing going around in the Linden household anyway. Right? Am I right? I mean, you're not wrong. Now, see, that's what I figured. So, uh, so anyway. Thank you very much for those questions, Peter. Um, I think hope we uh, answered those. The next question comes from David Moore. He's Dave Moore WVU at RedLegNation.com. And he's, his, the subject line of his email was viewer mail. 
You heard me. Well, Jason. I'm not. I can't answer this question. Come on, David. You're my man. Appreciate it. All right, here we go. David, you're you're picking your allegiances wrong. <laughs> well, wait till the next one. Then I'll say the same thing. All right, David's question: Do you think the Reds front office believed that the young pitchers, Molly Romano, Stevenson, etc., would take a much bigger step in 2018 than they did, believing that the organization's pitching philosophy was working? Basically, thinking they had a stable of three or four young aces that were on the cusp of stardom. After watching them perform in 2018, they realized they'd been wrong in their beliefs and decided to get the best pitching coach they could in Derek Johnson and completely overhaul their pitching philosophy. I believe our young pitchers have talent from everything I've read. I believe Johnson can really help them. I still want them to sign legit number one and number two starters. Thank you, David, for that question. I'll go ahead and uh, leap in on this one first, Jason, then let you come in on it. I don't think that the Reds believe they had a stable of three or four young aces on the cusp of stardom going into the 2018 season. I think they believed they were going to get more out of the young pitchers than they did. I think that was a reasonable assumption. Um, if they did think that the Jason and I both last year, year last offseason were really, really uh, vocal about the Reds need to go out and, and uh, you know hash brown get the pitching last year, you know fix the team last offseason. And I think they probably did overrate what these young pitchers were going to bring to the table, no question about it. Um, and I think that's why they pushed it off a year. But I don't believe they thought that yeah, those guys were absolutely going to be the answer. And I think they're right, though, at this point, in Derek Johnson giving, bringing in the best pitching coach they could get and giving him control of the pitching from rookie ball all the way up, I think they realize there is some sort of an issue with the development of pitchers in this organization. And it's uh, something we've been seeing for the last you know several years. If there's clearly an issue in terms of developing pitchers. So... Um, I, I agree with your thoughts there, David, but disagree with them. Yeah, I um, I think that <clears throat> someone in the Reds front office might have believed that they would take a bigger step than they did, and I think he might be the one who signs everybody's paychecks. Ah, uh, uh, yes. And so, you know, I think I think that a number of fans, including the owner, uh, got a little bit caught up in how some of those guys performed down the stretch in 2017. Uh, and I think that's probably why they stood pat, uh, last off season. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I, it is interesting. I do think that they're, that they're probably looking to do an organization, an organizational, um, shakeup or whatever. And, and it'll be interesting to see how that comes about. Um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of with Chad. I think I kind of like agree and disagree, both I, with that, those sentiments, I suppose. Yeah. You know, uh, the way I look at it is I think that, uh, you and I were in our optimistic mode before the season, as we often are and being optimistic, we thought, you know, Castillo, things break right. He could be a legitimate ace, you know, these Clefani, if he can stay healthy, you know, these are, you, you never bought that, but I think if you're, 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 you're I hope he could be a number two or number three guy. These Clefani could stay healthy, yes. <laughs> right, yeah, right. But, he, but like, you know, if I could turn lead into gold, I'd be a rich man. Uh-huh. Um, but I think the Reds hoped. You know, Romano looked good at the end of last year, so they hoped he was going to take another step forward. And and I say this often, and I just wanted to add it here because it's, this is where you need to say it. Hope is not a strategy, and I, and I don't know that they had any kind of a strategy other than sort of hoping those guys would be good enough because they did not go out to get anyone to uh, to replace any of those guys, and they also didn't go out to get any depth uh, in the event that any of these guys didn't pan out. So I think uh, they've done the, the right first thing by signing Derek Johnson, maybe the pitching coach, and, and giving him free reign. But the flip side of that is they've got to go out and get some more arms. And you, you, if, if the only thing they do is hire Derek Johnson and hope he can make these guys better, well, he probably will make some of them better. But that's not a recipe for competing. Next year, they got to get some new arms in the organization. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, next. Thank you for that question, uh, David. Really appreciate it. Uh, next question comes from Lance, and Lance's subject line. I got. I got to tell you, Lance. You know, I love you, man. But listener mail, really. Lance, you sound like a fine and brilliant human being. He does. Uh, his question, I think, is. A uh, an interesting one to me because I have some questions about this and I come at it from a different direction than Lance did. But let me go ahead and read it. Hey, Chad and company, thank you so much for the podcast. It's great. Thank you for listening, Lance and uh, everyone else. My question is about Homer Bailey. 
Lance says, I work in a maximum security prison. The job's about as bad as you can imagine. I'm normally scheduled to work days. However, my boss calls me and tells me I have to go to work at night. I have to go to work at night. I do not understand how Homer Bailey can refuse to pitch out of the bullpen. You would think making the millions he makes, he would pitch whenever and wherever they told him to. Thanks again for what you do, Lance. Um, and, and what I liked about this question from Lance is he mentioned the millions that Homer Bailey makes, but that's really not the focus here. It's it's how yeah. you know how can he not do what his employer asks him to do when it's basically within the you know parameters of his job description, uh, specifically about Homer Bailey refusing to pitch as a reliever. What are your thoughts, Jason? Um, I don't think I have ever seen Homer Bailey officially refuse to pitch as a reliever. Um, he has clearly expressed a displeasure at the idea. Um, I think that a lot of people have the perception that when he was uh, DL and sent down to Louisville that he was not legitimately injured, but he definitely was legitimately injured. Um, and... Um, yeah, I, I think he's not thrilled about it, and I think he's grumbling, as I think a lot of people would if they were suddenly asked to do something that was different than what they were accustomed to do. But I think, um, I don't think he's out where I told them no. And I, I don't think he is, uh, neither do I think he's in the rotation plans for next season. I, I don't think he certainly should, should be, shouldn't be. Um, so that's the kind of thing that I suppose we'll see in spring training, uh, what's going on. But I, I kind of have to, I have to reserve my judgment on that until he, you know, specifically refuses to pitch as a relief pitcher. I think that's a very good point that actually that I hadn't considered when formulating uh, my thoughts about this question, which is that we don't really know that he's absolutely refused to pitch out of the bullpen. Um, you know, listen, I don't begrudge Homer Bailey making as much money as he can make. Um, I don't begrudge any of these players for that. And that doesn't come into uh, – it shouldn't come into the decision-making process. I think probably the Reds' hesitancy to really play hardball with him in terms of pitching out of the bullpen. Because clearly he didn't really want to. He didn't – we don't know if he told him no. Yeah. Um, he, he clearly didn't want to. And the Reds clearly didn't want to force the subject with him last year. Yeah. This year they're going to force it. I mean, I can, honestly, I kind of think this year will be a tryout to, to determine whether or not they cut him. Yeah. I think that's what spring training is for Homer. I think it's, are, do you have the stuff to contribute in a real and substantial way, or is it time to cut bait? Yeah, if I'm Homer Bailey, and uh, contrary to popular belief, I'm not Homer Bailey. But if I'm Homer Bailey, I go into this year thinking, I've got to figure out how to become a closer. You know, the John Smoltz model. Yeah, I've got to figure out how to come back from this injury, pitch effectively out of the bullpen. Maybe my stuff plays up, and there, he has these issues about being able to warm up quick or whatever. He's got to figure it out. Because if he doesn't, his Major League Baseball career very well could be over. Whereas he could have a second act if he can figure out how to pitch out of the bullpen, whether in Cincinnati or somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. can he do it? I don't know. But I think you're right. I think we're going to find out in spring training uh, his willingness. Um. And uh, and his ability to pitch out of the bullpen. I do not think Homer Bailey makes a single start for the Reds ever again, either in spring training or otherwise. I I tend to agree. Um, yeah, I tend to agree. I could I could imagine a start or two in spring training just to you know. Oh, right. Well, to, yeah. But yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks for the question, Lance, and uh, good luck there at the uh, maximum security. Uh, prison i've been in uh, some of those uh they let me leave but uh, those are really t difficult uh, jobs absolutely so appreciate you listening um to the podcast next question comes from jim george jim george jim says i must say red leg nation has been my go-to place for comfort and solace regarding our beloved reds been rooting for him since 1970 so i'm quite spoiled i will admit my Fridays always begin with your podcast. It's the best part of my week. I'm not sure if that... Uh, I, I'm very grateful for that sentence. My Fridays always begin with your podcast, and it's the best part of my week. But uh, I kind of feel bad. This garbage we, is the best thing going on. We, we need to pick, pick, pick some things up for you, for you Jim, there. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I hope, I hope we do give uh, each of you a little bit of, uh, I don't know, time laughing and uh goofing off about these these reds but because uh, right now we have to sort of join together misery love company right yes indeed all right so jim says i haven't said all this i must say with that voice of yours 
I presume he's talking to you, Jason. I can only assume. <laughs> Jason from Kentucky. You shouldn't worry about the team not offering you a front office position after all this time, but instead should audition for the PA job at Great American Ballpark. Can you imagine stirring up the crowd if by some miracle the Reds re-signed Mr. Bonilla? Your memorable rendition of now batting for Cincinnati, Lisa Alberto Bonilla, would be legendary. Anyway, having Virginia roots since 1609, Eastern Kentucky roots since the 1880s, I feel your pain. Living north of Cincinnati, my only solace is that half the people in my area have the same twang as I do. Love uh, your posts, news, and podcasts. Uh, you guys are wonderful. And by the way, I love viewer mail, he says. He really didn't have a question, but I wanted to get in that last sentence. By the way, I love viewer mail. Well, yeah. Also, <laughs> I would like to point out, I have to issue a correction, Chad. I'm not from... I know. I, I was waiting for you to correct me on that a moment ago. Go I'm ahead. from Indiana. I live in Kentucky. You're, a, you're currently a Kentuckian. I live in Kentucky, not yes, I'm not from Kentucky. <laughs> not by birth. I get it. Um, that, is that, what, like, listen, not even at my birth. <laughs> I lived in Indiana until I was 18. <laughs> my, my grandfather and his whole family are from Kentucky. I'm not going to stand here and listen to you uh, badmouth Kentucky, Jason Linden. I'm not badmouthing Kentucky. I'm just making sure that we understand. <laughs> All right, let's be clear. Documentation anyway. things here, Mr. Dotson. <laughs> Can you imagine me doing the PA at Great American Ballpark, that would be a disaster. No one would understand anything. No one would know who's batting. They have those kids come up, you know, before the inning and announce who's batting to start the inning. Those kids are much more uh, lucid, and uh, you can comprehend what they say a lot better than me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move on to Adam Wolf. Thank you for the question, Jim, and I appreciate that suggestion. I'm just, uh, I'm not sure the Reds are going to offer me a position either as the PA announcer or in the front office. So I'll just, you know, keep doing podcasts. That's okay. Adam Wolf, Adam Wolf, subject line viewer, not listener question. Now, he's really being aggressive towards you there. Adam's being a little aggressive he, towards you. I'm not sure if I have any any uh, <laughs> anything for Adam here. I feel like we should just skip over this, and, and uh, you know, maybe we should. But uh, but he had a pretty good question that I do want to uh, address. Uh, huge, oh. fan of, <laughs> huge fan of the podcast. One of my weekly must downloads. I've shared with my dad and several friends. They're all loyal followers now as well. Uh, talk about us. Appreciate that, Adam. Is Adam related to you, Chad? What's that? Is Adam related? It's starting, starting to sound like it. I think it's starting. Actually, that's my that's my mom's uh, pseudonym, Adam Wolf. Yes. <laughs> Adam also says I received a signed copy of your book from Birthday and love it. Thank you so much for that, Adam. Potential question of the podcast: What do you think of changing the outfield dimensions to make Great American Ballpark more pitcher friendly? Would ownership have to get approval from MLB, or how does that even work? It seems like a simple fix to attract pitchers. Thanks for everything you guys do for Red Lake Nation. Adam Wolf. Uh, you want to tackle that one, Jason? I have things to say. Let's hear it. Um, first, I, I think, I, I'm not sure if there's MLB approval required um, to change your dimensions, but I don't think it would be that big of a deal. It, it happens semi-consistently. Like, you know, teams periodically will adjust their, their dimensions, and it doesn't seem to be a big deal. Um, I think one of the things that uh, a lot of people have kind of missed is that uh, a lot of parks around baseball have become significantly more hitter-friendly over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so. Um, so much so that Great American Ballpark still ranks as a hitter's park, but only just barely. Um, the only kind of offense that it enhances are home runs. And people might say, like, well, home runs, that's everything. Well, it, it's not, because extra base hits are a thing, and so are base hits. Um, and it suppresses, you know, other forms of base hits. So it rates is like, I think on it over the last five years, it's something like 1% better than average, um, of uh, among major league parks. So I don't think that's such a big deal. Um, I also don't think we know that pitchers intentionally stay away from Cincinnati because of the ballpark, because I don't think the Reds have ever made an earnest attempt to sign a high-end free agent pitcher. We're, we're really going to find out what's going on. Um, You're getting pinged a lot over there. What's going on, Jason? Sorry, I got some text messages. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Um, no, I think you're right. Uh, Great American Ballpark, I'm interested to see. I haven't looked at the park effects recently, so what you just said is interesting to me because uh, Great American Ballpark has always been a hitter's park, but really it's just been mostly because of home runs as you said so maybe now that home runs are more uh, prevalent elsewhere then maybe we've come a little closer to the mean in cincinnati because uh, cincinnati's never really been a crazy offensive park other than home runs by by yeah. the park effects if so I, if i were a fly ball pitcher i don't know that i'd want to come to cincinnati but but the majority of the pitching population i think has nothing really to fear 
you know, I don't have any problem if the Reds wanted to change the outfield dimensions, but that's, uh, if you've ever been to Great American Ballpark, that's going to be a serious undertaking. And, yeah. and you're also going to have to remove uh, some seats. And not that the Reds are, you know, busy filling up say, every single seat. Did, but. did you see last, last season? <laughs> I don't think anyone would notice. That would have been, would have been a good time to do it. Uh, yeah. Most most days you're tuning into the the Reds game. You look, they show the park, and you're like, or if you show up at the game, you're like, oh, today had been a good day to paint the seats, and nobody's sitting in them. So, uh, anyway, Adam, I, you know, I think that probably it would make uh, Great American Ballpark more pitcher friendly if you moved them back some, and uh, you could probably get it more close to a, to being just a neutral stadium. Although that might elevate offense uh, in terms of doubles. You, you know, you make the gaps bigger. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how that worked out. I don't have a problem with it. Don't care really at all, but I don't think that it's absolutely necessary to attract, to be able to attract pitchers here. Um, you know, you just got to watch which type of pitchers you are going to um, target. Guys that are ground ball pitchers. So, anyway, good question, Adam. Thank you. Anything else you have to add on that one, Jason? Nope. All right. Um. I'm going to skip over this long one. We're going to try to answer that that one. Uh, Andy Lanham, I got your question, buddy. We're going to try to answer it at some point. I'm not sure we'll have time to get to it today, but we'll see. Let's go to a question from our old buddy, John Juan. John asks, I've heard at the end of the year a manager doesn't have all that big of an effect on the record of a team. Can the same be said about a hitting coach? And whose coaching will have more effect on this team, Turner Ward, the resident hitting coach Turner Ward, or Joey Votto? I'm going to let you smack that one, uh, Jason. That's in your wheelhouse is in my real house and thank you chad um well i mean joey Votto was, has already had a had a notable effect on you know the the reds offense um notably most notably with a eugenio suarez but you know there, there have been various others in the clubhouse who reportedly benefited from his uh from his tutelage as it were um i don't know that coaches and make that much of a difference or managers do but I, I think one of the things about that is that no one actually knows it's really fuzzy it's hard to quantify um, yeah, yeah, it's really hard to quantify. Certainly, it's better to have somebody who's good at the job than somebody who's not good at the job to state obvious things. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know. Um, I think, you know, Turner Ward had comments to the effect of uh, he wanted basically to come work with Joey Votto. <laughs> <laughs> Get that on his Where, resume. Yeah, like there was, there was, I saw that quote somebody sent it to me um, in, in, an interview, I think it was to the Athletic, um, that you know he's like basically he's interested to work with Joey Votto and hear what Joey Votto has to say. So I, I, I don't know, we'll see. But I, I'm certainly not complaining. That the Reds are, are uh, stealing coaches away from um, from winning organizations. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing but praise coming from everyone on the Turner Ward front. You know, whether he or Joey Votto's coaching is going to have more effect, I don't know. You know, uh, it's true that Votto has had a uh, an effect on some guys, um, and and Suarez is the the biggest example of a guy that's taken a big step forward. I think Jose Peraza is a guy that uh, you're starting to see some things, uh, and he's he's said as well. Uh, with respect to whether the, a hitting coach or a manager has that big of an effect on the record of the team, I think for years we've heard that, but I think the really what we need to say with respect to the manager is a manager's moves in game, or the way he he uh, yeah. does his lineup doesn't have that big an effect on the record of the team. But I'm not prepared to say that the way a manager handles the personalities in the clubhouse and uh, you know uh, the other things of the job that don't come in that three-hour period that we're watching a game, I'm not prepared to say that doesn't have a big effect because I don't. I guess that's another thing you can't quantify. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, let, and I think that's probably, I don't want to praise Dusty Baker because everyone hates Dusty Baker, but that, I think that's where Dusty Baker excelled was the things we didn't yeah. see. And the things I could see, he was awful. I think we might have said this on here somewhere before, but, you know, it's our podcast so we can repeat ourselves. Um, but, yeah, B Baker is somebody who obviously we, you know, at, at, here at Red Leg Nation, we've had uh, some issues with him at, at times. But his teams have always, whether with the Reds or otherwise, sort of consistently outperformed their Pythagorean records, which is to say they've, they've consistently won more games than they were, quote, like supposed to win. Um, enough so that I think it's it's reasonable to give him some credit for that. They've also consistently underperformed in the postseason where those in-game uh, scenarios have a much bigger it, impact. It seems that 
uh, amazingly, uh, Dusty Baker and Billy Bean have something in common, which is that their stuff doesn't work in the playoffs. That's that's probably the only thing that Billy Bean and Dusty Baker have in common. So um, I think Turner Ward is going to have a positive effect on the team this year. Um, I think that David Bell is going to have a positive effect, but it's hard to say how much. And uh, but I know that I'm very happy to have those guys on board. That's the way I would put it. All right, let's go on to Tyler Bricky, my guy Tyler. It's a huge privilege to participate in the viewer mail segment of the podcast. Love you, Tyler. You're my favorite, right? For this this segment here, because of this honor, I would like to dedicate the following question to say it, say it, Jason. Please, Alberto Bonilla. Oh, man, you just don't have quite the. I can't. It's. I told you. It's like, <laughs> you know, it, it. It's like trying to follow. You know, insert your preference for greatest musician ever. Like I'm not. I, I'm only going to humiliate myself by trying to get on your level. Uh, well, that, that's true. I am the greatest musician ever. Um, well, you're the great. When it comes, if if Lee Alberto's. Uh, Bonilla's name is an instrument. You certainly play it better than anyone else. There you go. I'll take that. Tyler asks, what package of players' prospects would you be willing to deal for Corey Kluber or Carlos Carrasco? And what would the difference be between the two packages? Also, which one appeals to you more? We consider all the factors involved. And uh, and we can, we can address that, certainly. Um, but the first thing I want to address is kind of the uh, subtext of that question, which is prospects. Yeah. Are, are there any prospects that you're not willing to willing to deal in a in a trade for a pitcher? Theoretically, no. <laughs> Theoretically, uh, have, depends on the right. Um, you know, some of them would have would we would be talking like Jacob Degrom level before I would consider it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one is untouchable, but you know, I mean, are you going to give up uh, Nick Senzel for a? Slightly above average guy. No, obviously not. So, um, Kluber is really interesting to me. And, uh, you know, Kluber, his age isn't, is, you know, he's, well, both these guys, I guess, Carrasco, I think, is 31, going to be 32. Kluber will be 33. But, yeah. But Kluber is on a run. You yeah. Know? And he's not showing very many signs of slowing down, is he? No. But, you know, no one does until they do. Exactly. So he's not a guy I want to go give a five year contract to. And of course, he's. I, he, I, what, what is his? I, I've got pulled up here. I can probably look and see what his contract is. Because um, he has one more season. Uh, well, there are two option years. I don't know the nature of the option. Looks like team options both years. Yeah. So essentially, three years left at a fairly reasonable seventeen, seventeen five, and eighteen million. Fairly reasonable for a guy that produce if he keeps producing like he has produced. Yeah. Um, what would you trade for three years of Corey Kluber? That's a tough one, man. That's a really hard it's, one. That's tough. Do you gamble on a 33-year-old for three years of a 33-year-old? Boy, he's you're right, though. He's been on a run. He's been good. He's been really good. I'm since. Right. I mean... And this is a guy who really didn't have his first full season in the big leagues till age 27. I don't know. Like, I don't know that I would, like, do Senzel, but I might do just about anybody else in the organization. I think so, too. I think I would I'd be tempted to go not all in on Kluber. Yeah. But very close to all in. Um cuz he's likely to be good at least for the next 3 years. Yeah. Maybe another year or two of being elite. I I will say that Carrasco I might I might give up a little bit more for. What's his, um, what's his contract situation with that? Well, he has a similar contract. It's basically the same deal but he's cheaper. Much cheaper, almost uh, half as much. Yeah, I see that. And younger. Yeah. So I might. And he's been better than I realized. I just looked at his numbers now. I might. I might do a straight up Nick Senzel for for Carlos Carrasco. Wow. Would you not do straight up Senzel for Kluber though? I don't know if I would quite. It's tough. That's a. T- it's one of those things where somebody made me the offer. I'd have to think real hard about it. That's one of those questions where you ask, "Who says no first? The Reds or the yeah. Indians on that one. And I don't know. Yeah. You can argue it both ways. I think I'd trade Nick Senzel straight up for Corey Kluber. Matter of fact, I know I would. I might. Um, and I Carrasco, I agree with you. You know, I'm just, just looking at him. I knew he'd been good. But he's, yeah. been, he's been consistently very good. 
Never met an all star team. You know, and it's one it's one of those things where if you get one of those guys, then it frees up some money elsewhere because they're not full mark, you know, full free agent prices. Yeah, Kluber will be cheaper than the guy we have to get in free agency. Carrasco will be way cheaper. So then, you know, if you could get one of those guys and say then get Dallas Keuchel, and then you have the money still to sign like a solid number three type pitcher, that's all of a sudden a really good rotation. At the price of Nick Senzel and spending some money. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of... But are the Indians trading any of those guys? I mean, that's the... That's the rumor. That's the yeah, rumor that's, that's out there that they're they're willing to talk, I guess. So, but yeah. you don't know how much they're serious right. about. Yeah, I, I've seen the rumors, but the Indians, you know, uh, are pretty good right now, they and are. probably not looking to not be pretty good. They've uh, taken on some contracts in the last couple of years that don't necessarily, uh, you know, uh, fit with who they think they are or who they have been, and so I think they probably do have to cut some uh, some dead weight, but. Man, I don't know why you trade those guys. You've got them under. I mean, unless you think there's no chance you're going to compete in the next two years. Yeah, I have a difficult time dealing those if I'm the Indians, and if I'm an Indians fan, and again, I'm not an Indians fan, um, I'd have a real hard time parting with those two, even for a guy like Nick Senzel. Although, you know, that's a fascinating question to me. Who says no first? That is, it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which one? Okay. So the second part of his was which one appeals to you more when considering all the factors involved? You probably go with Carrasco. Sounds like. Yeah, I think so. Just because the age and the and the cost. I think I go with Kluber just because he's been a little bit better, and uh, I don't know. I just I, I, when he pitches, he just sort of blows me away. I've got a personal attachment. I just love watching that guy pitch. Plus, I have a brother named Corey. So, really interesting. That's one of the factors that I should consider. Yeah. And he has a brother named Chadwick. I wonder how he feels about that. Oh, my goodness. We've gone through the looking glass. Hey, you know, I had two uh, brothers live in China. One of them moved back, Jason. Moved back oh, to the really? States. Yes. So only one brother in China now. Just thought I'd uh, let you in on my... Uh, Good to know. Good I, to know. I don't want you to wait for our family Christmas newsletter to find out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's required reading at the at the Linden household every year, the Dawson family Christmas newsletter. I'm sure it is. I just wish the Big 50 was required reading at the Linden uh, household. Who read it? I read it. <laughs> I read your book. That's impressive. My wife hasn't read it. Well. My kids haven't read it. I guess you know who really likes you, huh? That's right, Jason. What are you doing next weekend? Uh, the next question is from Matt Dietner. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Matt Dietner. He had a couple of questions, and I thought they were both worth uh, discussing. The first one is uh, I'm not sure as much of a question as it is sort of a, a statement, but I thought it's interesting because um, I think Jason and I both have a similar opinion of this guy. One name you guys haven't talked about a whole lot when with the man. Wait, 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 wait! You're 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 skipping past something here. Oh, you're right. You're right. Thank you. I skipped right by Matt it. Matt is the one. He's tried to. Uh, he's, he's tried to. to, to he's threading to, the needle there, isn't he? The needle, yeah. Um, <laughs> Viewisner male, he calls it. Viewisner male. He uh, he wouldn't take a stand. Come on, Matt. You got to take a stand, man. Yeah, Matt. You, you're gonna have to choose sides here. Uh, <laughs> He's trying to appeal to all of us. He's like a politician. That's, just, that's the way it is. <laughs> all right, Matt. Uh, one name we haven't talked about a lot when the managerial search was happening, but was supposedly interviewed for the job. He was interviewed for the job. Rocco Baldelli. Seems to have the qualifications of a good manager, a former player, current front office guy, analytically minded. Never seemed to get much press on Red Leg Nation, although I do think we talked about him a little on the podcast, and I wondered yeah. why. He did end up going to the Twins, my other team, based on geographical proximity, who seemed to be in a similar situation as the Reds as far as the rebuilding process. Might be interesting to keep an eye on his success as a manager there, so we, uh, as Reds fans, can once again play the what-if game, and we're the best at the what-if game. Uh, you know, Baldelli I would have been happy with, and... I wasn't sure he was going to get a managerial job, and I was kind of hoping he was in the mix to be a bench coach for the Reds. Yeah, yeah, I think Baldelli and Bell were my sort of like top two choices, and I, I viewed them more or less interchangeably to the extent that I under you know knew knew about their philosophies. Um, so yeah, I would have been totally thrilled if they'd hired him uh, and not had a bad word to say about it. Um, I think I knew less about him because he's kind of a newer name mm -hmm. in that mix. 
Um, but yeah, I think I think he would have been a fine candidate, and I think that the the Twins will probably end up glad they hired him. Yeah, and I think so. I think he's uh, he's very similar in some ways to why I like David Bell. With Baldelli, I don't know as much about him, the same as you, but there are some things I do know. Number one, great name, Rocco Baldelli. Are you kidding me? Great name. It really is a fantastic baseball name. It really is good. Uh, the second thing I know, he comes from the Tampa Bay Rays, which is a, an organization that has thought had to, because of their circumstances, think outside the box as much as any team in the majors. So he has that, and he's been with them as a player and in the front office, and he has that sort of background and that really appealed to me some guy that wasn't with Tampa Bay it seems like you can't be beholden to any uh you know particular dogma or anything because they they're going to do what's going to help them compete and the third reason I kind of hoped a Baldelli would be a part of the Reds is because uh, I had a lot of fun one time watching him play on a rehab assignment in double a against uh, when the Reds uh Chattanooga lookouts were the Reds but before when they were the double-A affiliate of the Reds, and they are again now, but I saw him play, and he had a great game. And so I was like, I like that Rocco Baldelli. I saw him playing in double-A. Is that a qualification for manager? Yes. Thank you. His second question, which is uh, much more interesting to me, because, again, as we said, most of these questions are about pitching. Secondly, Matt Dietner asks, and if I mispronounce your name, yell at Jason on Twitter. Secondly, the Mariners are reportedly shopping around some of their guys to rebuild their roster. And the most intriguing name I see from that team is James Paxton. Does he fit your criteria of a frontline starter? And what do you think the Reds have to give up to get him? So this is similar to the last question. For those of you that aren't that familiar with James Paxton, who is a uh, pitches over in the, the American League, the junior circuit, uh, you know, he was uh, 29 this year. He's had a pretty good run the last few years as well. Really effective pitcher. He'll be 30 next year. Uh, in terms of contract, he is uh, arbitration uh, eligible this year. Can't be a free agent until 2021, so still under team control for a while. How oh, can he really not be? That's what I'm looking at. Earliest free agent, 2021. Um, if this guy's available in trade, give me him over either Kluber or Carrasco, in my opinion. I mean, he's a guy that's just been, you know... Um, so I disagree. Do you disagree? I do. Uh, and I can give you one number that tells you why. Yeah, say it. 160.1. 160.1. I'm looking at it. That's it. You're right. Yeah. That, that's something that I didn't really uh, look at that. Uh, that that does separate him a little bit. That's the number he of innings. Looks, that's the highest number of innings pitched. I mean, he's, he's never really pitched a full season. Hmm. So he's uh, well. He's been good when he's been pitching, though. He he has been really good when he's been pitching, but uh, and he's also uh, he's also north of thirty. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna retract what I said before. I think you're right, Jason. Um, he led the league with two complete games last year, though. With two, <laughs> two complete games. Yeah, I think you're. I think that that's got to yeah. be worrisome. But he's a type of guy, though, that uh, I would not give. I guess if I, as I'm looking at it, you've completely caused me just on that one number to change my. I really want this guy as a red. Yeah, I don't give up a frontline prospect for him. I, no, I, I might give up Taylor Trammell for him. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was. I would do a Taylor Trammell swap. Yeah, um, especially because he is entering arbitration and he's going to be kind of expensive. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I think when when healthy, he he is a uh, a front line pitcher. Yeah, I, I think probably the reason why I maybe my eyes kind of uh, widened is because all the talk is that the Houston Astros are hot and heavy trying to trade for him, and the Astros know what they're doing. They do. It's true. That's a really good organization uh, at this point. And so if they see something in this guy, it makes me think, ooh, that's who we need to be in on. Um, so he's a guy I'd like to have. I think probably those three guys, Paxton, Carrasco, Carrasco, um, yeah. and Kluber. I probably, Kluber is my number one. The other two guys, I want them both. I want all three of them. Let's get all three of them. I want Jacob DeGrom. Oh, okay, let's get DeGrom, Keichel. Kluber's our number uh, three starter. Let's go with uh, Paxton as number four and Castillo's five. I will say this. I realize nobody has asked about this yet, but um, 
when it, like, I think DeGrom's got, like, two years of team control right now. And um, I think I, he would, I, I don't, I haven't seen noise that the Mets are looking to trade him, but the Mets are so terrible that they have to be. <laughs> yes. And I would say to the Mets, basically, I would give them two lists, you know, one with your top, like, five or so prospects, you know, your Senzel and your your Taylor Trammell and your Hunter Green and whatnot, and then a list with the secondary, and I would tell them they could pick one from each list. I agree. He'd be worth it. And I would do that deal in a heartbeat without so, thinking about it. So you'd trade Senzel and Trammell for DeGrom? Or is Trammell yeah, on your first list? I think I would, yeah. Yeah, I think I, that's another one of those. Who says no first? But the Mets are so incompetent that you could probably, you know, trade like Shed Long for Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> They'd probably go for that. And that's not a criticism of Shed Long. I like Shed Long, but. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I would do that deal in a heartbeat. Um, I love that we're talking about this, and there's at least some hope that the Reds are going to make a deal or sign some guys. I mean, hope is not a strategy, but for fans... Some guys, make us happy. For for fans, having a little hope is uh, absolutely necessary, and I think that the Reds had waited till the last possible moment to try to start giving us hope. And uh, what if they don't sign anyone this year? How bad is it going to be coming into spring? Oh, it's going to be real bad. I, I, I think they understand that's not an option. I think they do. I do. Okay, let's uh, let's move on now. Next question is from uh, Katie Corwin, and uh, Katie uh, says, "I'm a relatively new listener of Red Lake Nation Radio. I'm so glad I discovered it!" Exclamation point. Katie used an exclamation point. Jason, she's really glad she discovered it. I appreciate that. It, well, we are a, we are a delightful discovery. <laughs> That's right. Katie lives in D.C. now. That's the District of Columbia. I used to live there, Jason. Yeah. I, I like that town. It's a mess. Yeah. Uh, we won't talk about the ways that it's a mess, but I like living there. Um, the podcast is a great way to keep up with the Reds. I read this Deadspin article after the Inquirer covered it, and I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it on the podcast yet. Quite frankly, this article really pissed me off, says Katie. I know the Reds have had a tough couple of years, but that's no reason for Cincinnati not be worthy of a team anymore. So I wanted to hear your thoughts about all this. Thanks for your time and all the great work you do. Thank you, Katie, for listening and for the question. And the article in question was, uh, and again, Deadspin. Um, Deadspin is a is a mess. That whole website. Although yeah. I got to yeah. say, uh, let me just give a little history of RedLegNation.com dot com here. Um, we were sort of, you know, having our little fun, and we never really came into anyone's notice until one time early on when Deadspin linked to us, and then all of a sudden it kind of bumped us up. And this was, I think, before you were even around, Jason. They link to our, it predates me. It predates you. Um, I know you thought an alarmingly long time at this point. You have been, and I know you thought that the the redlegnation dot com only uh, you know took off into the stratosphere once you came on board. But interestingly enough, it was actually a little bit before that. Uh, and it was uh, our Adam from Milwaukee when Adam Dunn called Marty Brennan and we posted the audio of that, and so they uh, they linked to us. But anyway, this dead spin piece was talking about possible Major League Baseball expansion. And they had this, you know, I don't even know the guy that uh, that wrote it, never heard of him. Um, he may be a great writer, I don't know. But he said, uh, any of these cities would be semi-respectable Major League Baseball entries, talking about guys that, the cities that can expand into MLB, certainly as respectable as, say, Cincinnati, which probably wouldn't even be considered if it hadn't already had a team since the Garfield administration. And so uh, Katie and a lot of people, because it was covered in the Inquirer, took offense to that you have any thoughts about that jason yeah i mean it's not wrong if if cincinnati didn't have a major league baseball team it probably wouldn't be in the, a, a top choice for for future expansion it'd be in the said, mix though and huh it'd be in the mix though right it would maybe be in the mix i mean it would you know but like imagining cincinnati without a baseball team it's just like impossible <laughs> i can't i can't even come up with a good metaphor for it like it uh. What would the town be like if they didn't have the Reds? I don't even know, but because the Reds have been around forever, yeah. so yeah, it's one of those things. It's kind of a crappy thing to say, I guess, but like I understand what the writer is saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's, it's, just, it's a it's a smallish city relative to to what 
where most major league teams reside, so it probably wouldn't be a top choice for expansion. But the Reds are not going anywhere ever. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right about that. It's it's not, you know, if you're going to pick your top 30 markets to put a team in, if you start it all over, they may not make it into that mix. But the, here's what bothers me about this. And I wasn't that as upset about it as, as Katie was, but it, it irritates me because it's completely dependent. This argument is completely dependent upon when you write this article. If if this guy had written for a, you know dead spin on uh, paper in 1977, there's no way Cincinnati's mentioned in there, or even yeah. in the even in the mid 90s. I think yeah. back to when Bud Selig was talking about uh, contraction and getting rid of some teams. You know, and the and the Minnesota Twins were mentioned as being yeah. a team that they might contract. And then you know, two years later, they're in the playoffs. Yeah. I think the Reds are a great market when the Reds are actually trying to compete. And I think that you're saying it now because the Reds are in a really historically bad stretch, uh, maybe the second worst stretch uh, in terms of uh, winning and losing in the history of this organization. So it's a little unfair right now. But as of right now, yeah, it doesn't look like a great place to be. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with you, Chad. All right. Finally, for the first time in 235 episodes of Red Leg Nation Radio, Jason agrees with me. Don't expect to hear it again, listeners. <laughs> Maybe on episode number 500, we can come up with a way that uh, that Jason will agree with me. Jason, I think that's a good, pretty good place to uh, to cut it short, don't you think? I, I agree. I think that's a fine place to, to stop things. And, and there's some we didn't get to. Again, uh, we're going to try to get to them all. Some of those that didn't uh, get answered today, well, they're going to be in the mix for a future viewer mail segment. We're going to try to answer as many as we can because it's a good, really good way to talk about the team. And you guys have some great questions. This is Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 235. Uh, with me today, Jason Linden, at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm Chad Dotson. I'm at Dotson C on Twitter. You can follow us at Red Leg Radio and at Red Leg Nation on Twitter. Also, redlegnation.com, where we're talking about the Reds every single day and have been since 2005. If you like us, go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. That's my request to all of you this week. Those of you that are uh, taking time to email us at chaddotson at redlegnation.com with the viewer mail questions, really appreciate you. Keep doing that. Send us those questions. Jason, this was fun, man. It was a great time doing uh, doing listener mail with you today, Chad. Will you, will you come back on with me sometime to do some viewer mail? Uh, I will gladly come back for more listener mail for sure. <laughs> All right, then. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.